2: This is Computer Talk with TAB, hosted by Eric Semmel of TAB Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by
3: phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at help at or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com.
2: Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with TAB. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And Bob. Bob Shuri, one of the MCSEs here. He helps me out with my... Your questions, comments, and concerns, feel free to get online. A couple of folks are commenting on the uh, Facebook stream that the audio is raspy. Unfortunately, we have no power over that. Um, it is what it is when it comes to uh, doing any kind of Facebook live streaming. Uh, feel free to get online That eight hundred nine six six wtic 522-WTIC. Lines are wide open. And as we wait for your calls, I do want to tell you, so we've talked about these uh, – security keys, these physical 2FA keys. Uh, the one that I'm showing you right now on the screen, uh, if you're on the Facebook live is by Yubico. It's a Yubico key. And the beauty of 2FA with a physical hardware, piece of hardware is that it can't be, it can't be hacked, right? You can't, you can't uh, SIM jack the crypto key, right? You can SIM jack a phone and have the uh, two factor go to some other phone, but you can't SIM jack or do anything with this piece of hardware. So, if you want to secure an application more securely it literally plugs into the side of the laptop physically and i have to have it in there and then i have to physically touch this little button while it's plugged into the laptop i have to physically touch it as a second factor that's pretty darn secure no one's getting in to any application without that key entered and my finger touching it as the second factor after the password so I'm uh, doing some demos of different applications that Yubico works with. doesn't work with everything. Um, I'm also checking out a password manager called Bitwarden. Um, Bitwarden is a, again, we still use the uh, writing them down card technology because it's not hackable, right? You'll never have an issue with that. But sometimes the card, uh, you know, your little Rolodex or what have you, is not on you and you need access to a password. So again, an idea like Bitwarden is a password manager. It's a zero trust password manager. Zero trust means that everything is encrypted. Even Bitwarden can't help you if you forget your password to get into Bitwarden. <laughs> so you need to make sure you write that information down, um and of course on your Rolodex, on your Rolodex <laughs> which you should still maintain, as far as I'm concerned. Maintaining that piece of uh that, that information physically is a safer way to manage your passwords, but. If you want to try uh, to check out a password manager that is pretty highly rated, it's open source. Some of the beauty of open source password managers is that it's you know, constantly being vetted um, by the community out there. And again, by being zero trust, everything's encrypted. So even Bitwarden themselves don't know your password or know what you're putting into the quote-unquote vault uh, that they offer you. It's pretty neat technology. I've just started playing with it. I'll let you know more about it as I continue to use it. So that means
0: they haven't found any backdoors yet.
2: Correct. And of course there's always <laughs> going to be something. So I mean it depends on what you want to use your password manager for. Uh, I'm still not so certain I would do any kind of, you know, any, any kind of important passwords. On a password manager, but that's only because I'm a pure cynic and don't trust anything. <laughs> uh, I know how the sausage is made, and uh, you kind of be crazy to trust everything. But you know, at some point, dealing with a management password manager tool, because with all the all the passwords that we have these days it is just impossible to keep track of everything. Um especially if you find yourself, you know, traveling or what have you and you need to get access to a password. It gets a little embarrassing when you need to call your kids and say, hey kids, can you open up the Rolodex and go to B and bring up the password for such and such? You know, it's if you can't remember it. <laughs> so we'll be checking it out. And I just def- I highly recommend Yubico. Um Titan is also by Google, but these these keys are really very sturdy and it's a great two-fa uh, approach, so that without that key plugged into your computer and your finger touching the actual key, you can't get in to the application that supports it. So feel free to get online eight hundred nine six six WTIC five two two WTIC, and we'll do our best to take your computer comments, questions, and concerns. You want to bring up that news article while we wait for your calls, Bob? Sure. Oh, wait, actually we got Bob on the line. I'm sorry, Bill is on the line. We'll go to Bill first in Bolton. What's going on, Bill?
4: I have a an old desktop.
2: Yep.
4: And all of a sudden, when I've gone to ten, it wants to start up in the middle of the night. It happens about probably five out of the seven days a week. It'll start up and do some kind of update or something.
2: Yeah. So is it in a is it in a sleep mode, Bill? I don't think it's shut down all the way.
4: Uh, because when I go when I log off, I put it in
0: shutdown.
2: You shut it down, huh? Yep. It sure but shouldn't it, power on on its own. That is creepy. Go ahead, Bob.
0: This is a laptop, right? No, it's a desktop. A desktop. Okay. Well, still i still going uh, What I did for a while was
4: I <laughs> I got concerned I unplugged the damn thing. I don't blame you. And then what would happen is the minute I plugged it back in, it would take like a couple of minutes before it would finally get up to where it's going.
2: <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, because, of course, when you uh, do it from a hard power-off shutdown, there is no cached boot. There's a benefit um, to Windows 10 in that when you shut down a computer now with Windows 10, it does have a way to quickly boot up in a cached. It's not fully shut down like you think it is. Um, Okay. And that's probably what you're dealing with is that you're not dealing with a full shutdown. Um, I think there's a setting that we can we can send you to where you can force the full shutdown. When you actually shut down the computer, you can actually tell it to fully shut down. But it will mean a longer boot um yeah. when you power it back up.
4: The weird thing is what I usually shut the monitor off. Yeah. Well, if in the middle of the night the damn thing boots up and the monitor comes out <laughs> And the room is all lit up. I'm thinking, what the hell is going yeah, on here? some
2: somebody's, uh, you know, is <laughs> yeah. turning on your computer. No, that's um,
4: what I thought. But I don't do anything. I look at emails, right? And I may do some Amazon stuff, but other than that, I look at Amazon. I don't order anything. Yeah, but,
2: I think it's not. Sh- I think we have to show you where to fully force to shut down. Go ahead, Bob.
0: I haven't found it on mine yet, but I was going through this the other day. And there's a setting in there somewhere, and I can't tell you where it is right off the top of my head. Right. That says if the computer is sleeping or hibernating, Mm -hmm. and an an update comes available to wake it up. Yeah. In the middle of the night.
2: Okay. So I know. So you think it's set to that?
0: I think that's what's on.
4: Because I'm I'm, uh, all of a sudden it never happened before. Then all of a sudden, all of in the middle of the night. Well, I sent. For a while there, I just unplugged the damn thing, and I yep. said, well, let's see if that happens. But then the next time I plugged it on, it took like three or four minutes or more for it to finally boot up.
2: Right. That's called a uh, – it's it's a fast – there's a fast startup that is part of the Windows 10. I actually found the information that I can show you that you can turn off or turn on fast startup. It is in with your power settings. Um, there's shutdown settings where there's a checkbox yep. that says turn on fast startup. And that's recommended. Um, in this case, you may want to turn it off uh, well, so that you can actually fully shut it down. I highly, highly doubt that if you turn off the fast startup, that, that thing is going to come on all automatically without you turning it on. I mean, it could. Well, the, there must be something else thing, running, though.
4: The thing is, I'm trying to be kind of frugal and not waste electricity. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, here in Connecticut. Are you kidding me? I know. I don't blame you. <laughs> that so is that is uh, the least of our issues. You, know, you don't want the computer turning on by itself and spinning you know, the meter.
4: That was the, first, the first thing I thought was, actually, first somebody's trying to get in there. Then I kept thinking Microsoft, because when they went on that new screen where you go from the picture to the blur, I thought maybe that was part of it, and that's why it kept starting up, starting right. up. And it was like every night it would do that. Then a couple nights it didn't start up.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, it could be, a, you know, maybe another issue where you get something there's a wake-up-on-land setting. Something is flipped on to turn the machine on. But I think you should turn off the fast startup, turn it off physically, and see if it comes on by itself. And then you have to look to see if there are any settings where, like, wake-on-land is turned on, where that can be a, a setting that somebody, you know, stimulates the land port, and boom, it comes on. Yeah. But uh, it's not an unknown problem. I mean, even in my own uh, machine at home, every now and again, it's rebooting or coming on. I still run Windows 7 on one of the machines at home. And uh, you never know why it's turned on. It's just a bang-around machine in our home. Um, so you got to yeah, physically well, turn what, it off.
4: Yeah, and that's what this one is. And I keep telling my wife I'm frugal. And she says, no, you're freaking cheap. She says, <laughs> <laughs> Gotta unplug that
2: thing. Yeah, unplug it. Yeah, <laughs> keep everything unplugged. Air gap it.
4: There you go. But that's the problem. Is she wants to? Well, we she uses it to pay bills because it's easier than doing our uh, our laptop.
2: Uh-huh. She
4: uses it to pay bills,
2: mm-hmm. but even though it's coming on by it itself, long. and the Chinese are looking at your bill pay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not paying any of them. No. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they, well they
4: might be looking but they ain't paying.
2: <laughs> they're looking and laughing saying, "Oh my gosh, this guy is cheap." Uh we'll <laughs> we'll put a uh, we'll put a link on how to turn off the fast boot up portion of uh Windows 10 cuz also it's it's a good thing when you really shut your machine down to give it a full shutdown. Um it does actually do a better job of starting fresh. You think you're starting fresh in a restart, but Microsoft has kind of tricked us by having this fast boot up. Uh options. So doing a full shutdown is really what you want to do. So we'll put that link up there for you.
4: Great. Thank you. I was going to call, going to call, going to call. Today's the day. <laughs>
2: Today's the day. The lines are open. Everyone's out doing yard work, enjoying the fall weather.
4: Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Bill. Great job. I like listening to
2: you. It's our pleasure. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, when these machines come on on their own and do the updates, it does. It can get a little creepy. You just forget where you left it. You know where? What? Where did you leave? What state did you leave your computer in? Um, we're gonna be here till eleven o'clock. Feel free to get online. We have a couple lines open for you. Eight hundred nine six six WTIC five two two WTIC. We're gonna step out for a quick break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> You're back with this is computer talk. Let's get right to your calls. You're nice enough to join us on this Saturday morning, and go right to Ray in Burlington next. What's going on, Ray?
1: Thanks for taking my call. Our pleasure. Um, I've got a Lenovo Yoga Pro 2. It's about five years old. It was right. originally Windows 8. I've upgraded uh, all the upgrades for Windows 10. But on the um, what I've had recently, about the last oh, six, seven months, is I'll be in my Windows Mail app. Mm-hmm. And I've got a Several mail email accounts, and I'll switch to another email account, and then the Windows Mail app closes unexpectedly. So I, I did a search, um, and one of the suggestions from Microsoft was to um, run their Windows app troubleshooter, which didn't seem to correct the problem. Mm-hmm. And then their second tr- attempt, they, or second thing they suggested, was to go into the settings and apps, go into advanced options for the Mail app, and do a reset. Mm-hmm. So I got a couple questions. What is the re- what would the reset do? Would that and in effect negate on delete all my mail accounts mail hmm. I log on.
2: You know, I don't know if it'll re- if it'll do it to that point. Um I've never run a reset. Um uh, it's a great question though cuz you don't want to blow away all your account settings. Yeah. Um it could do that. Okay. Uh, so it's and it's fair of you to be concerned. Um so obviously When Microsoft puts out these solutions, they assume you're going to have all your credentials handy if you have to reload or reconfigure them. And a lot of people don't realize that uh, until after the fact, so it's good you checked. What do you think, Bob?
0: Well, I was going to say the same thing, except what I would do before I considered any sort of a reset, export all your mail.
2: Yeah, that's true, too. And,
0: uh, you know, so you have it in case it does reset it. And then the other thing, too, is if you don't want to write it all down, you know, do screenshots of all your settings. Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, do the export of the mail. It's a great idea just so you have it and uh, get your credentials going. And it could. It could reset it to completely factory fresh, or you could consider a different mail app. Um, Firefox has something called Thunderbird. Mozilla folks have Thunderbird as a mail app. I've never used it, but people do talk about it being a good alternative. And, of course, you have Outlook um, as another alternative. It's not free, but uh, you know, if, if the resetting doesn't solve it.
1: Um, now, when you said do the account settings, I'm assuming that when I, I just, I'm on another machine, but when I do the account settings, it shows the the email address, the password, the account name. Right. And then is there anything else in there that I should be taking a screenshot of?
2: Um, yeah, the porting. Um, you have to either tell it whether it's an IMAP or a POP mailbox and what ports your ISP is using to send and receive mail. So you should note the ports. Otherwise, you're going to, if you do start from scratch, you might find that the Cox ports that you're using, if you're using Cox for your Internet uh, service and your mail providers, you know, some weird port number that you didn't remember or they changed to. So make sure you look at the entire setting. Got it. Okay.
0: Yeah, go through it page by page and take a screenshot of or a snippet of uh, each each page. And then, like, save it and print it or put it on a different computer on a thumb drive.
2: Yeah, it's good to have anyways. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's good. To, yeah, it, I try to keep track of them. I have all my passwords on a spot. I just have to, I'd have to just re all of it. But And I thought maybe it was only that, but it's a good thing that, I, that you mentioned the IMAP or the POP and all those other things.
2: Because yeah, there's a lot more to it, and then you're going to spend your entire Saturday pulling your hair out trying to figure out why your mail's not working.
1: That's right. Good. Hey, thanks very much for your advice. I appreciate it. Good show.
2: Thank you for calling in, Ray. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, bye bye. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock, guys. Feel free to get online. We have two lines open for you, eight hundred nine six six wtic 522-WTIC. Everything we've talked about has been posted live over at computertalkwithtab.com. It's the name of the show, .com, which also works. If you follow us on Facebook at Tab Computer Systems, and Mark Zuckerberg deems the worthy these days, we'll see. It'll get into your news feed. And, of course, you can follow us live over at WTIC's Facebook page. We'll be right back. board of calls. You guys all woke up a little later this morning. And that's fine. We're going to get right to your calls. You're nice enough to join us on this Saturday. Let's go to Ken in Windsor first. What's going on, Ken?
5: Hey, there. Hey, Bob. Hey. Hi. Uh, I have a rather antiquated network in my house, and I was thinking about upgrading it um, because I have some issues with uh, when I walk around. I have two different access points. Yep. And it seems like uh, it can't decide on which one it wants to use. Even standing in one place, sometimes uh, it wants to switch. And and I get this a lot when I'm listening to the radio or I'm listening to music with my headphones on and out there working in the yard. Now, my my system, I had to put it together because I was a very early joiner of Vonage, Mm -hmm. and they gave me a router. Yep, and that and that router had dedicated ports for the phones. Yep, um, but I want to I want to look at one of these new uh, mesh networks. They sound yeah. like they're pretty slick, and um, I'm just wondering if you have any advice on that. And that seems like that would be more integrated because all my devices are by the different manufacturers, and they're right. They are hardwired, but they're on Cat 5. I don't know if I should be on Cat 6 now. No,
2: Cat 5 is fine for your home use. How big is your, uh, your home?
5: Okay, the house is 55 feet long, and I have one access point at one end of the house and one on the other. So one of them is in the lower level and one's in the upper level. So diagonally, they're as far apart as I can get them.
2: Yeah. Well, in this case, I'm gonna, I am was trying to figure out if your square footage would be such. I mean, with only a 55-foot distance, if you put one access, one new router, a current router in the middle of your house, yeah, you wouldn't need to mesh anything. Oh, I've really? Got, yeah.
0: I've got a Ubiquiti um, up on the first top floor of my house, mm-hmm. and it reaches everywhere in my right. house. I mean, and I get good signal, too.
2: Right. So he's talking about ubiquity access point. But again, with the mesh network, you're talking about going from one access point to the other. In your case, you've got your access points separated so far that your problem is you're banging between the two of them. If you put one new router in the middle of your house, you're fine. You're going to upgrade to mesh by default because it's going to be mesh capable. But you're not going to have to mesh anything because it'll cover your whole house. I guarantee it. Huh. Unless your house is made of concrete.
5: So, no, no, it's a, just a wooden structure, you yeah. know, two stories, and but but yeah. the televisions are on the outer walls at each end. One downstairs is on the outer end, and one upstairs is on the outer end. Yep. Yeah. So,
2: if you put the router in the middle and ran a two point four gigahertz SSID for the TVs, if they're wireless, you'll have good a good connection.
5: Oh, okay. So, what do I look for in that router to make sure it's going to have that kind of power?
2: Um, sure. I would tell you to look at the Linksys line. Um, I I've, I've picked up one that we've linked a few times on our program that I've used. It's got you know eight antennas. It runs around $300. Um, it's by Linksys Cisco. We'll put a link up there again as to what I've put in my home. But you can find lesser models, too, that don't necessarily have to blow your hair back when you stand in front of them with the Wi-Fi signal. But these days, you just want a good quality router with good um, ability to cover your whole home. So, if you have a 3500 4000 square foot home, this router that I'm talking about should cover the entire space. As long as it's on the on the first floor. If you if you tuck it in a corner of your basement, it's not going to do so well. But if you bring it up to your first floor or somewhere central, it should broadcast a nice solid bubble inside and out um that covers most of your property very easily and uh, can, there's other lesser models out there
5: too. Can it be mounted on a wall like it would have to go in the hallway I would say on the wall? That
2: well again it stuff. comes down to where you want to, where your internet comes in um, you know you, when I say in the center somewhere I mean don't take me literally in my case mines on the first floor it is uh, in the family room which is more of a corner of the house uh, so you could still put it on the first floor somewhere and I think cover your whole home I think by having the two access points just 55 feet apart from each other, you are having trouble banging between the two of them because they're not mesh capable. Right, um, if, they, yeah. if they were mesh access points, that would work like Bob's ubiquities. You could have two ubiquities in your home. They'd, they'd make a mesh network and you would not have this issue. Um, but I think one new router would be the way to go for you.
5: All yeah, right. Don't well, Don't
2: take it seriously about putting it central.
5: Well, I just the thing is I ran Cat 5, so I have Cat 5 coming up in the middle of the house, but it comes up like behind the refrigerator. And what I had to do before is I had to either squeeze it between a kitchen cabinet and a wall or, or I put a hole through the wall to the hallway and put it on the hallway wall, which is not really attractive. But
2: No, it's not. I mean, you'd be really <laughs> geeky, and I would, I would definitely walk in there and say that's pretty geeky uh, to do that. You'd get a lot of props from me. Uh but most most wives wouldn't appreciate it.
5: That was a story here too. <laughs> yeah.
2: So maybe run another Cat Five line somewhere on top of a cabinet. That some that you can place it there. Go ahead, Bob.
0: I was going to say, is it Cat Five or Cat Five E? Because it's a huge difference between the two. Uh, I think it's Five E. Yeah. yeah. Is that's what you want? Cat Five is will go a hundred megahertz speed. That's it. Right, hundred megabits. Five E will handle gigabit in bursts. Right. So five e is good. Five, get rid of.
5: <laughs> okay, I'll take a look at that. I, I, I like I say, when I originally started out, I didn't even have wireless, so uh, right. that that I had to add that. W- one other related question with this telephone, but it might be a question about TVs as well. Is with the telephone, they had a quality of service setting in the router. Yep. So, so you could you know make the telephone calls have priority. Right. So there's no lag. And if I get this new router, am I have to go in there and tell it which device is the telephone? And, and you might, but these days,
2: these days the routers are pretty smart um, and probably will elevate the quality of service on those packets automatically. But you can configure them to choose devices to elevate the QoS on those packets, um, and that's for voice over IP that he's talking about. So yes, you may have to do that. Uh, But they're so smart these days that it'll probably handle it for you. Also, there are a lot larger bandwidth within the router itself, a lot more capability, a lot more processing, a lot more uh, memory and capability. So the ability of the router to handle all packets better reduces the quality of service issue in small environments like yours.
5: Okay. Well, sounds encouraging. Like I say, I I got mine so long ago, they don't even have updates for any of it.
2: yeah, it's probably not very secure either, Ken.
5: When I when I tried to leave Vonage, you know, they, they talked me into uh, staying with them because I was like one of their original customers. So they <laughs> gave me the lowest price and all the features, <laughs> everything right. they could possibly give me.
2: <laughs> awesome. Yeah.
5: So I didn't go with UMA.
2: <laughs> That's fine. If you like what you've got, go for it.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I get the, I get emails with all my messages, so I don't even have to ever answer the phone.
2: It's all okay. transcribed for yeah. you.
5: Transcribed, and they give you the recording, too. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Sounds good, Ken. All right, guys. Thanks again.
2: Yep. Good luck. Enjoy. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. It is important, though, when you're t- talking about upgrading your internal network to consider the hardware you're using. And uh, when you have disparate wi- wireless access points and you try to move between them, it can cause a problem. Your Your device is going to drop or what have you. Also... Do not, I've, I've found that these combination SSIDs where they broadcast both the 5G and the 2.4G as the same SSID, I would contend your devices are still battling to figure out which access point to connect to or which, which SSID to connect to. And in some instances, it's better to be a 5G connection because it's closer. And in some instances, it's better to be 2.4. And if you, may, if you physically set those things, I would contend you'll have a better result rather than having the device uh, try to figure out what you want. And you, so even though you've got this great new technology, your, 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 your phone or your laptop is flipping back and forth and trying to get you know, whichever radio is gonna, it's going to connect to, and you're going to get a, a different result. So keep that in mind. Um, let's go on to – actually, you know what? We'll take a quick break here and get back to your calls. This is Computer Talk. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock. We'll be right back. Nice. We are back. This is Computer Talk. Let's get right to your calls. We've been a lot of commercials, which is great, obviously, for the station, but it's hard to get any questions in when there's so many spots. But let's see what we can do here to uh, answer your questions. We're going to go to Rhode Island and Richard. What's going on, Richard?
3: Hi, Eric. How are you doing today?
2: Good, sir. How are you?
3: Just fine. I got a uh, question regarding uh, uh, putting a, a, a replacement wireless router in my house. Yes, Um I uh, have a FiOS uh, a system of, with the fiber optics box in the garage. That uh, they have a um, like an I think it's called a, a Mocha RF uh, type of cable that comes out of that. Yep. Goes into a splitter and then goes off to the set top set top boxes as well as off to my router. Yep. So I got a s like that seventy five ohm connection coming into the router, mm-hmm. and uh, I was hoping to try and replace that thing with something that would uh, you know, transmit through the entire house. And yeah. uh, I was wondering what your advice is on that.
2: Yeah, similar to the last caller, the link says EA9500 is uh, the device I've been very happy with so far. It's got uh, eight antennas. It, it covers the entire home very well.
3: So does it have that 75-ohm input to it?
2: It's going to use a Cat5 uh, input from your modem. From the FI- the FIOS output, so there should be a WAN output coming out of your FIOS um, yeah. connection. So, uh,
3: what you're saying is, I so are you talking about the box that uh, converts the fiber optic cable uh, to a uh, either the MoCA or the uh, the Cat Five signal? Is that, is that yes. there
2: from there? There should be a WAN output. Okay, and from there, it, most likely, it's going to be a Cat. 5e cat6 style yeah. rj45 output you should be able to then take that run that line to your your wan input yeah. of your router
3: do you think that's active uh, or do i have to call them to make it active
2: you may have to call them because they're, they're not going to be happy that you're punting their hardware which is what you're doing
3: yeah right so i uh, would i then um uh, would the Mocha cable that goes to all my set top boxes—would that be defeated at that point in time? Was it one I would or hope the other? Not. Can I have both?
2: I don't know. I would you hope not. Know. I would. Oh. I would hope not. Fiber is so powerful that they should be able to still transmit over that Mocha cable. Which is yeah. kind of a funky cable in itself.
3: Yeah, it's so uh, old-fashioned.
2: Extremely old-fashioned. Um, but again, you could always punt the whole thing there. You know, you could just stick with the uh, the FiOS and start considering streaming everything, and even punt those set-top boxes. I, I yeah. tell you, you'll be and happy. I,
3: and I, uh, that's you know, it's kind of in the back of my mind, and uh, doing exactly that. Uh, and I thought that the first step I wanted to try and take was to uh, get rid of the FiOS router. Uh, and actually, I do remember you having uh, links in the archive, and I just saw that you just put one up uh, today from a previous yeah. caller. Yeah. So uh, whatever happened to the uh, the archive link? I don't see that anymore. Yeah,
2: we upgraded our uh, website, and we lost some of the archive links. So okay. we're, we apologize. We go as far back as we go back right now, whatever that is. I want to say it's maybe a month or so. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll yeah. build them up. <laughs>
3: okay. All right. Good luck on that. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show. Appreciate Thanks, it.
2: Thanks, Richard. Thanks for listening. Yeah. All right. Bye bye. Let's go on to Will in Simsbury next. What's, I'm sorry, Southbury. What's going hey, on, Will? Eric.
3: Hey. How are you,
6: Eric?
2: Doing fine, sir. How are you?
6: I'm well. Thank you. I love your show every thank Saturday. You. It's very helpful. Um, I've got an eight-year-old uh, laptop. It's got an Intel i3. I know you guys hate those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I need to replace it it's uh I don't do a lot of heavy lifting graphics stuff like that. Um I'd like to spend somewhere between seven hundred and a thousand dollars and I need some specs from you guys. What do you think are
2: yeah, you'll easily hit that spec if you're doing an i five or even an i seven c p u yep okay eight gigs of RAM minimum if you can get more, that's great.
6: How much ram I'm sorry eight gigs eight gigs okay. Yep.
2: Yeah. 16 would be great if you can get it. And then, of course, uh, a solid state hard drive of at least 250, uh, or 512 on the solid state. Um, I think you can find a machine within that price spec. Is it going to be a laptop or a, uh, yeah, a
6: laptop? Yeah. A laptop. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think you should easily be able to find one in that, in that price range from HP. If you look at the, um, Oh gosh, the envy uh, line I did for my kids, and they're all in that okay. similar spec, and they were all under a thousand dollars in a similar spec that I just described.
6: That's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah look for
2: I, a metal style case. Stay away from the plastic.
6: All right, that's a good. That's a good, great tip. Metal case. Yeah. Yeah, because the hinges just tip.
2: don't last in the plastic.
6: Yeah, that it's interesting you said that because my current Acer has plastic, and the hinges are going, and it's mm-hmm. very hard to open it without. You know, messing up the screen.
2: Yep. Yeah. So well, that's what I great. would do and, and get out there and get rid of uh your old one and get up up to speed.
6: I am. I that's what I need to do. And I appreciate your uh help. Thank you so much. And it's a, a terrific show. I listen every Saturday.
2: Thanks, Well. We appreciate you doing that. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. So believe it or not, we've uh we've consumed two hours of your Saturday morning. <laughs> Uh, Here in New England, we do appreciate you uh, joining us on this Saturday. And we want to thank Matt for producing. He's back in Farmington all by himself. Someday, Matt, we'll see you in person. I'm looking forward to it. We are here in the hermetically sealed studios of TAB Computer Systems in East Hartford. I want to thank Mike G. for posting everything live over at ComputerTalkWithTab.com. It should all be there for you. The archives will continue to grow, so you can go back and look at past shows. Of course, we're podcasted over at Radio.com. Make sure you check that out as well. See you next week.